Welcome to A Beggar Who Found Bread. I am Brad Alexander, your host and resident beggar who found bread, wanting others to experience the freedom found in the bread of life, Christ Jesus, Messiah, Yeshua. This episode, Philadelphia Freedom. It's a classic tune by Elton John, certainly not the way I sing it. You know, I never really got into his music too much. I was into much heavier stuff, actually, but uh, I can't deny the dude's got talent and quite a stage presence also. Now, he was knighted a while back, so I guess it's actually Sir Elton John. My question about all that stuff is, when are these entertainers who have been knighted going to do battle? You talk about a pay-per-view extravaganza? Don't miss Sir Paul McCartney in a battle to the death with Sir Elton John. And the main event, Sir Anthony Hopkins faces Sir Sean Connery on the jousting field. Dude, I would so be down for that. All right, maybe not. But you know it would sell tickets. It would. All right, enough of that. Let's get on with the episode, Philadelphia Freedom. We've been taking looks at the seven churches in Revelation. We've discussed five thus far. You may refer to the episodes, Black Magic Woman for the church at Thyatira, Comfortably Numb discusses the church at Sardis, Owner of a Lonely Heart is about Ephesus, Stronger focuses on Smyrna, and I Am the Sword cuts into Pergamum. So, check those ones out. As you probably guessed, this episode is about the church in Philadelphia. You are picking up what I'm putting down, and I am so proud of you right now. I'm going to say that I'm pretty sure we mispronounced the name of that city because of the American city that's spelled the same way. I just think we put the emphasis on the wrong syllables or something. Anyway, in this letter, you're not going to see any mention of where to get the best cheesesteak or any rebuke of the most rude sports fans on the planet. Dude, Eagles fans cheered when a player laid on the turf with a broken neck. And they cheered when their own quarterback got injured because he wasn't playing well. And they even threw snowballs at Santa Claus. I mean, really? Okay, that last one's not so bad. In any event, the church at Philadelphia receives no rebuke at all. They and Smyrna are the only two of the seven that are not rebuked by the Lord. So let's take a look at Revelation 3, starting at verse 7. To the angel of Messiah's community in Philadelphia write, Thus says the Holy One, the True One, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens. I know your deeds. Behold, I have set before you an open door that no one is able to shut. Because you have little power, but you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jewish and are not, but lie. Behold, I will cause them to come and bow down before your feet so that they acknowledge that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is coming upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. To the one who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will never leave it. 
and on him I will write the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit, the Ruach, is saying to Messiah's communities. We see Messiah's introduction. He introduces himself as the Holy One, the True One, who holds the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and shuts and no one will open. This is such a powerful reference. Let's take a look at Isaiah 22 and verse 22. I will set the key of the house of David upon his shoulder. What he opens, no one can shut. What he shuts, and no one can open. In its context, this scripture is referring to Eliakim. He would become King Hezekiah's steward, financial minister, as uh, as it appears. Eliakim was to replace Shebna in his role as steward. Shebna got what we probably would call these days a case of manageritis, got a little full of himself, and Adonai humbled him. Read the entire passage. Adonai says he is going to wad Shebna up like a ball and toss him. For real. <laughs> Check that out. But I believe verse 22 to be prophetic of Messiah. He refers to himself in this same way in Revelation. Oh, And check this out. The name Eliakim, it means God rises. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say that I believe this passage is a messianic prophecy. Now, he tells this church, as we see, he also mentions two, four other churches. I know your deeds. Listen to the episode, A Little Less Conversation, for more on that. He, He tells... The church at Philadelphia, he knows their deeds. They have kept his word and not denied his name. He provided them with an open door, which no one is able to shut because they have little power. Messiah has opened a door for them that they would not have been able to open without him because they have little strength. So what is the door? There are a few thoughts on this. And many believe it is an open door to preach the gospel, which certainly has merit. Philadelphia was known as the gateway to the east. It had roadways going in virtually every direction. All these churches in the book of Revelation here, these seven churches, were in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. Philadelphia had access throughout the region. So an open door for preaching the gospel does make sense. There are many references in the scriptures of doors opening. And taking a look at another line of thinking on this open door, there are lots of scriptural references to doors opening, referring to the grave and referring to prison cells. And so that leaves some saying, this means that the people of this church have been guaranteed their entrance into God's kingdom. The, the challenge with that idea is scripture repeatedly refers to those who remain faithful to the end, to those who keep his word till the end, do his deeds, the deeds to which he has called us to. We, they keep his name till the end. 
He says this to the church at Smyrna specifically, that they must remain faithful to the end. And there are so many other places that bear that out in Scripture. And while I know it is a widely accepted line of thinking, this this open door and guaranteed access into the kingdom, I don't think that that is this reference here. And, and, and that type of mindset is what has eroded the character of Christians today. It has eroded our mindset. We, we have completely walked away from obedience. It's disregarded in many aspects in, in many churches. And staying faithful till the end, well, yeah. Anyway, go back to that uh, a little less conversation episode. Moving forward. Another way to consider this door is to reflect on that Isaiah 22 passage regarding Eliakim. And this this is a very interesting point um, because, again, Eliakim, he became the steward of the king. Well, Yeshua is the one who truly fulfills that role as steward of all that is of value to God, namely his people. Think about Yeshua's prayer in John 17. It contains this in verses 6 and 7. When we think about his stewardship... I have made your name known to the men of this world that you gave me. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Stewardship. Hallelujah. He is the steward of the Father. And so of the open door, let's remember, Yeshua refers to himself as the door in John chapter 10. No one can enter in any other way. In John 14, 6, he declares he is the way, the truth, and the life. As the steward, the great shepherd of the sheep, he will hold open the gate, the door, for all who will hear his voice and follow him. What we see in this letter is is not a great mighty church doing impressive works of God. No, they are a small, weak group who recognize it's not the size of the army in the battle. It's the size of the God in the army. This is a group of followers of Messiah who are filled with the Spirit of God. Listen to the On Fire episode for more about that. Doing far beyond their physical and financial abilities. They're doing far beyond what anyone would expect of this group of believers because they are keeping God's word and they are beholden to the name that is above all names, Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. We see another reference uh, in this letter to the synagogue of Satan and that Messiah is going to have them bow before the church of Philadelphia and acknowledge that he loves these believers. We touched on the synagogue of Satan in a previous episode, but one thing I didn't point out is the word synagogue that's used here, um, some use that to uh, who adhere to replacement theology. They'll use it to say this references Jews in Judaism and they're no longer they're no longer the real Jews because now the church are the new Jews. That is so dangerous and so unscriptural. The Greek word that's used 
for synagogue in this in this passage is the same Greek word that is used in James that is translated as assembly. And I think the distinction is important because it is more likely that these adversaries were proselytes. They were proselytized, converted, if you will, into Judaism from pagan religions. They put conditions on salvation and focus on the traditions of man rather than the word of God. But these people, this group of individuals, these adversaries, this assembly of adversaries are going to be forced to recognize that Yeshua loves the church at Philadelphia. They're going to bow before the believers at the church in Philadelphia. Messiah goes on, and and before before I move forward, I believe there there is modern day application here also in. In yes, those who are Judaizers who would try and put conditions on salvation, but but also to those who are of replacement theology mindset, those who believe the church is the new Jews, and and, and that the Jews are no longer God's chosen people, and I think that there can be modern day application to those folks as well, to those who think more highly of themselves, and if you read through Romans nine through eleven. Paul talks about it. Those who have been grafted in, do not think, <laughs> hey, don't think, don't think you're something that you're not here. You have been grafted in to the natural. And if the natural can be removed, so can those who have been grafted in. So keep that in mind. And and that to me is a picture of those who are involved in replacement theology, those who get full of themselves and say, Oh yeah, look at that. Now God has chosen God has chosen us, and the Jews are nothing anymore. So anyway. Moving forward, Messiah goes on to commend this church, the folks at Philadelphia, for keeping his word of patient endurance, and that he will keep them from the hour of trial that is coming upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. I do not think this is a reference to a rapture. Okay, listen to the Gone Away episode to explore that. No, the hour of trial is coming upon the whole earth. I believe this is Messiah reinforcing that he will be with them. As God has promised throughout the ages, that he will be with us through the flood and through the fire. He will be with the believers in this church through it all. And they will be kept as his, they will be kept as his through this time as they keep his word of patient endurance as they walk towards that open door, doing his will, keeping his word, not denying his name. He tells them, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. The one who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God and he will never leave it. And on him, I will write the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit, Ruach, is saying to Messiah's communities. He says he will write the name of his God and the name of the city of his God, the new Jerusalem, and his own new name upon those who overcome. Look, 
I've done damage to myself with ink. I've got many tattoos. Here's another another episode reference for you. Listen to The Needle and the Damage Done. Anyway, Messiah is going to write the name of God, the name of the city of God, and his own new name on those who overcome. How glorious. And how do we overcome? We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, the sacrificial offering of the Lamb of God, Messiah Yeshua. He was crucified as that sacrifice and raised from the dead. Yeah, just Eliakim, God rises. Amen? Sorry, got sidetracked there for a second. But that, that is the blood of the Lamb. And what is the word of our testimony? Well, who gives testimony? Witnesses give testimony, right? We are his witnesses. We are witnesses of his grace, mercy, forgiveness, and steadfast love. We are witnesses of his way. Our lives testify as to whose we are when we live according to his word, doing the deeds he has called us to throughout scripture. He knows our deeds. Our deeds testify as to whose we are. Let's live in Philadelphia freedom, which is found only in Messiah Jesus. We are but beggars. He is the bread of life. Let's let others know where we found that bread that they too can be satisfied. Let's go out and give them heaven.